Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Casey Crimmins. We met via my website where I'd posted something on a blog about the art of neighboring, and he wrote a comment that was really intriguing. It just got my attention. There was good content to it, and and so I contacted him, and here we are, and Man, I'm finding out that this guy sings my tune. It's it's everything that he's told me so much so far about his church is just uh, what I think a church is supposed to be. And so, uh, Casey, why don't you just uh, introduce yourself a little bit? Tell about the church. Tell how you, how you got how you got out of um, secular business world into becoming a pastor, and then tell why did you call your church Multiply in the first place? And then we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, Ralph, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for reaching back out. Uh, it's been fun to follow along with ralphmore.net and uh, we've really appreciated the blogs and really appreciated the content you're pushing out. So uh, thank you. It's encouraging to, to folks like myself. Uh, so like you said, my name is Casey Crimmins. Uh, I live down here in Charlotte, North Carolina, been here about nine years or so, uh, worked in the corporate world for about 10 years for GE Capital and different finance roles and risk and underwriting sales eventually brought me here. Uh, but then yet yeah, made, made a transition, made a big family decision. Uh, my wife, my dear wife, Tanya, um, decided she, she'd go along for the journey. And uh, we, we transitioned from corporate world to full-time vocational ministry. I became a pastor back in the summer of 2014. Uh, and that was, man, a, a lot of things stacked up to, to bring me to that moment, but it really was just, if I could devote all my time, energy, and attention to, to what it meant to be a pastor, to shepherd folks, to make disciples, to encourage others to make disciples that make disciples and, and onward. Uh, man, what could that look like? And so we made that transition. Um, and then a few years later, ended up uh, launching out and planting a church in Charlotte, in the southeast east part of Charlotte called Multiply Church with a buddy of mine named Stephen. And the two of us just had a, a heart to see disciples make disciples. I think we went through a big journey of discovery on our own, uh, transitioning from a more Sunday-centric uh, model and approach towards disciple-making to a very focused, lasered um, uh, investment of time, energy, and effort into the disciple-making process, which uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, it isn't necessarily the most uh, popular thing. Uh, so we, we started with a small group of folks. We call ourselves a bunch of misfits on mission. Um, but our hope and, and, and goal and aim is to, to create a community that really has holistic discipleship at the center, healthy multicultural community, uh, and, and really a city mindedness about uh, what we do. So we realize we are not the answer to the city's woes. Uh, we are simply a part of the bride of Christ and, and a part of that. So we try to be very intentional about those three things as we go out and do the things that we do. So that's a little I, about me. I've been on your website, and I know that you're you're uh, knocking the ball out of the park in terms of being multicultural, multi-ethnic, and that's really exciting. And um, and you're you're I mean you're kind of 
the poster child for everything I believe. I, I know that you're you're now. I want you to talk about these things. You're co-vocational. Yeah. Uh, you're you're doing church on Zoom right now because of obviously the pandemic. But you're mm -hmm. doing something different than others. Instead of pre-recording and just leaving it up there, you're making an event out of Sunday morning, and uh, because you do it live on Zoom and your people can be there. You told me that you're into having people tell their stories, which yeah. is like Dave Ferguson's hero making book. Uh, and that when people have a bad story to tell, you look at it as a victory because it, it you know, it, it, it's on its way to something. Uh, I'm excited that you and I have just become friends in this last <laughs> hour. This is, this is, <laughs> this is a friendship that's going to last. Um, and it all started with a blog. But just <laughs> just kind of unpack some of these things. I, I, I mean, it's pretty amazing some of the stuff that you're doing. Yeah. Well, well, first let me say this, just because I know how listening. I'm a podcast junkie. Uh, I listen to podcasts and try to read books as much as I can, but listen to a lot of stuff and content. And and I hate when a pastor gets on and and it's it's made it to seem that that pastor is somehow slugging it out of the park. And I will say we are so far. <laughs> from slugging anything out of the park we but, are but we see are. but see i'm old you're young i call yeah. it struggle knocking it out of the park sitting around fat cat with a whole lot of people who are complacent and throwing money in the offering is 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 not even hitting singles and doubles uh, mm. it, it's where you're at that i remember in my life when i was roughly your age and we were going through the same hardships and stuff that you're going through that the the foundation was laid and so to me that that's why i say you're knocking out of the park wow. uh, i i want everybody to know this isn't a large church it's, we're not here uh trying to somehow idolize and uh, epitomize uh, big guys we're looking for regular guys and this is a regular guy doing pretty cool stuff so now talk to us so no more false humility <laughs> no, I, I just don't want to false represent but i appreciate that so for us, uh, let, let's talk about even Sunday mornings, because I, I made a comment before and, and, and you had some pushback. But I said for, for us, we, we've noticed a transition over the last several months um, where our Sunday gatherings are more like missional workshops than like a Sunday morning experience. Which is what I think a Sunday morning experience is supposed to be. <laughs> so, so for us... Um, I mean, there was a lot of ways that churches could have gone in terms of what online looked like. Do you just replicate and produce and box up and, and preset and push out something for them to consume? Uh, or do you try to replicate the DNA and culture of a community uh, and get people to engage? And, and we chose Zoom and we stuck with Zoom even through some attrition uh, along the way. We just had folks that kind of said, yeah, this is a little bit too much in my face or I, I, you're, you're asking a lot. I got to turn my video on. I got to talk to you. You know, I'm in my pajamas. <laughs> and we were like, you can be in your pajamas, but you can still engage. So uh, we've, we've seen a transition now where Sunday morning, I mean, there, there's still kind of a, a teaching that comes at, at some point, but it's around the mission, the vision, the forward mo movement, the embodiment uh, that we're supposed to be. And I'd say 65 to 70% is uh, storytelling celebrating the movement of God in that week through the lives of people. Uh, we break out into rooms where people are praying for each other uh, individually. Uh, after the message, we'll either have a group discussion in real time or have breakout 
uh, rooms of discussion and come back as we like attempt to chew on this. We actually had a guest pastor the other day, a very talented young woman uh, came and, and, and gave a message and she, she got put into a breakout room and she was like, oh, I didn't know I was going to a breakout. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you're a part of this too. And, and really kind of the, okay, so what therefore shall we do? And, and trying to make this transition from what does this mean? I think a lot of our messages got like, oh, what does this mean? And we're now transitioning much more to what does it mean to be obedient to this? Um, and it's not perfect yet. And, and uh, we know how culture uh, takes time to, to fully set in, but that's kind of been our, our deal from the, the beginning. We just, what, what does it mean to be discipleship centric uh, as a community? I think very early on as well, you mentioned um, multicultural community, and this was a conviction of the Lord <laughs> and the problem with convictions versus something you might kind of be thinking about a thought to a conviction is a conviction. You have to do something about it. So early 2018, Stephen and I both went on this very long, deep journey into self-realizing that we have been reared and trained and uh, placed into a system that was very homogenous. Uh, and so as our eyes opened and we saw the biblical narrative of every tribe and tongue, um, we, we started to expand our circles and started asking questions like, who's around your dinner table? And who are you text messaging? And who are you driving with? Back when we got to, <laughs> remember when we used to be able to drive in cars with people. Um, and that started to drive a lot of our own personal uh, growth and understanding and influence um, and, and all the way to the point where we realized inequities even in the financial structures of some of our churches. Um, and that actually is what was behind me going co-vocational. We needed to create a uh, sustainable financial model that allowed for flexibility uh, for bringing in or creating space for those in the minority spaces that maybe can't reach out to 10 rich, wealthy families and say, hey, can you support my salary? So uh, that, that's a big part of our story. We had to really walk that out in, in faith to see what, what that felt like. And then, you know, as is with leadership, there's a laggard adoption curve of, you know, some folks are kind of like, oh, this is interesting. And then they move to conviction and then they move to behavioral changes. So that's been just a big part of our dialogue. You'll see on our website or you're here in our preaching and teaching over the last two years. Uh, we were kind of talking about all this stuff before it became popular to talk about. Uh, and I don't say that in any other way than just, I, I, I think, that shows a bit of integrity. Um, although we love that there's some churches now that are having that conversation. We want to help and we want to speak into that, but, but that's been a big conviction. And then ultimately um, the city mindedness and my role with the organization that I work with just tied so intrinsically. And I, and I say co-vocation, not by vocation. Um, I thought I came up with that, but then I met a guy named Brad Briscoe that wrote a book on it. So, <laughs> so I guess, so I guess I didn't, but for me, co-vocation is as opposed to one career financing the, the mission of, of another co-vocations. I have two roles that both pay me, but feed and, and cross pollinate in, into one another. So it's, it's as much mental as it is, uh, actually how I walk it out, but, but that's been a big part of my journey and our journey. That's cool. Um, talk to us a little bit. I mean, what triggered our talking to each other was uh, something that I had written about my own little journey here. Uh, one day I woke up and I'd read the book Art of Neighboring and, uh, and, I, and I realized what a horrible neighbor I am. I'm learning to be a neighbor. 
and and a better one and i'm and i'm finding ways to bring the lord into the relationships and so i said something about that and then you popped back at me and so i want you to because because i know that book is pretty significant to you and uh, I, I'd like to just hear a little bit about that. Dave Runyon is a, a pretty good friend of one of my bosses. Uh, and back in 2019, uh, our city did a unified sermon series around the art of neighboring. And a lot of it was uh, just kind of bubbled up from pastors that we were talking to. And all, all of them were suggesting the same thing. So we ended up having about 100 churches participate in a citywide initiative and we talked about what would it look like if the people of god in our city which based on the statistics says that like 40 percent, 45 percent of our city are christians if everybody was just like a good neighbor uh like you like you were just describing to the nine or eight adjacent houses uh as as most of us are, are set up in those types of neighborhoods and it was great because Dave does such a great job. The author of the book, Dave Runyon, does such a good job. He says he, he tries to set the bar low enough that you can crawl over it. Mm-hmm. Which I'm, I'm a <laughs> I'm a seven on the enneagram, but I'm I'm, I'm very uh, kind of aggressive. I have some uh, corporate in me, and I'm like, yeah, but that's come on, like let's let's get people going here. Uh, but that was the deal. It was let, let's just see if we can be good neighbors to the people that are around us. And uh, the conversations were good because it got pastors realizing almost like you did, like, well, before I put this before my community, I actually have to do this. And that was great. That caused a lot of great stories. And as they preached their sermons, you would hear the little asides of what they were doing and then the encouragement to the community. So all that was great. Um, Our community, uh, Multiply Church, uh, had kind of already gone down that road before, maybe not using the art of neighboring, but really, you know, hey, who's close to you, far from God? We use a lot of that language. Who are the three people you're praying for um, that God would give you opportunity to speak to? And a lot of relational, um, <laughs> a relational evangelism, friendship evangelism. I know there's some words for it. We just call it discipleship. But so when we finally got to the series, we had kind of moved a bit down the road in terms of our cultural acuity and understanding of, of, why churches weren't more uh, multicultural, even in our city, which does have a lot of diversity. And a lot of it came down to geography. So our city is among, I don't know the exact number, among the top most divided city uh, and stark contrast. We're not talking about like a little bit here, a little bit there. Uh, If you overlay um, racial identity, uh, wealth, wealth distribution, equity, you lay those maps all over each other and you see the city of Charlotte and it is stark. It is a crescent and it is a wedge. Um, And the uh, white wedge uh, has all of the money for the most part. Our neighborhood is kind of like 101, like a 101 course. Like let's just get outside our door. Let's, you know, sit at the edge of our uh, driveways or lurk in our uh, garages. um, And that's good like the 501 course is what happens when we actually start to see our city or town or wherever you you may be living as the neighborhood. Uh, And eventually we have to get out of the homogenous circles that we live in and out of what for many cities like Charlotte are very intentional construction and historical uh, things and decisions that have been made to keep those lines in place. 
Um, so I, I didn't know this until I went on this journey that, I mean, redlining is a thing. Yeah. It happened. Um, and you can see which neighborhoods are predominantly African-American, predominantly Hispanic, predominantly, and they are very well crafted and cut out. So my only challenge is the, the awareness to know that art of neighboring is good. If you only stay there, it just perpetuates what's already going on. Unless in your case, you live in an incredibly diverse neighborhood, which they are out there. And ours is becoming more that even the one that me and my wife live in, but most of them are not. So that was my only challenge. And, and it is really a challenge for the church to start to think outside of just neighborhood if the construct is working against us to become multicultural, if that's a conviction. So tell us a couple stories from the life of your church. I mean, you know, some that are maybe a couple of good ones and a couple that were, you know, they stumbled a little bit because that's part of reality. And, and I think that too often all we do is we put the, the gloss on everything and don't tell about what's really going on. I mean, my whole idea about evangelism is friendship evangelism with the intent of discipling that person. So you're discipling them before they know Jesus, before they know they're being discipled. Uh, it, you know, it's a follow me as I follow Christ thing. Mm-hmm. Um, respond to that a little bit because maybe sure. you disagree with that or, or whatever, but just tell us about some people's lives and, you know, some, some, of, the, some of the tough ones and some of the good ones. Sure. Um, well, first of all, Ralph, I'm not going to disagree with you on your podcast. That's, that's inappropriate now. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll say for me, uh, and then I'll, I'll share some, some tougher stories. Um, for me, some of the relational uh, of evangelism, and again, we, we, we call it discipleship, like an outpouring of discipleship is evangelism. I know we try to make lanes where maybe lanes aren't supposed to be. So just hear me say that. Um, I, I do believe discipleship was the master plan of evangelism. Um, but, but as we are, are going out and, and one gentleman that I met a, a couple of years ago, less than a year into our church plant, um, had just moved to the neighborhood, didn't really have a lot of connectivity uh, in, in the neighborhood. And we just started having him over for dinner, like all the time, uh, back when we were allowed to have people over <laughs> for dinner. And, uh, and it was, it was really interesting as you just start to ask questions. As soon as someone finds out you're a pastor, it's like, ugh. now I get all the church in these and, you know, oh, we're in the South, but luckily this, this gentleman was not from the South. So he was, he was pretty straight up about some things and had some history in the church a long time ago, but had left like decades ago and didn't just leave, but like gave the middle finger on his way out, basically, if I'm allowed to say that, um, and so his thing for me was like, why are you being my friend? And I was like, I, I don't know, because I like you and I like your family and I, I don't know, whatever you need, man. And this like almost uh, lack of believability at first. And, and I think it was because I was a pastor. And I think that does play to my detriment uh, a lot of times, unfortunately. So eventually there was a watershed moment where uh, this gentleman for some reason had started reading the Bible again. And one night, like by the power of the Holy spirit, read something in the book of Timothy or James or something. And, and calls me and he's like, we got to talk. And I was like, okay. And I come over, uh, it's 11 o'clock at night or something like that. We're in his garage. And he's like, Hey man, like I just read this. I feel like God just spoke to me. What do I do? 
And I was like, well, why don't we just start hanging out and just see where it goes. And from there, um, he and his family did start coming over to kind of our, we, we call them uh, devoted communities, you know, small group type of thing. Started coming over there, learning some things, started coming on Sunday mornings as like a afterthought. Um, and we did that for, for almost a year. Um, and, you know, just when you think everything's going great and you're thinking of multiplication, unfortunately, out of nowhere, it was one of those, hey, we're going to go check out a different church. <laughs> <laughs> We're, uh, we're, we're out of here. Uh, you read about discipleship, you read about disciple making, and you just think it's always going to quote unquote work. And it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the timing of God and humility and all those different things, I mean, really make a difference. Now, juxtapose this with my father-in-law uh, who lives in a neighborhood that is pretty, pretty much m- mostly white. Um, and, and the houses are kind of set a bit farther apart and he works on a, on a computer all day in front uh, of that. And he's, he's been the leading the charge on everything and like all the things that we're about, he, he is about, but this, this concept of like, but how do I expand my circles? If this is it, uh, how, how do I, how do I move past that? And it's, and it's almost this internal struggle we're watching and ha- I have been watching because he has one neighbor who, who is a, a, a person of color that doesn't really seem to have a faith, but they, you know, start to invite him over and they're out on their porch. And now all of a sudden phone calls of, Hey, can we help with this? Can we borrow this? Hey, this thing's going on. And the story's still being written, but it's like, he, he had to reconcile that there is a level of effort that has to match the conviction because it's easy to stay in the circles that we are in. And the world will actually like tell us that it's okay. So we've had to continue to kind of wrestle that down. We've now connected with another church in our city that has the same heart, but same problem. It's led by an African-American pastor. He's an amazing man of God, has a heart for multicultural, but he's attracted a church that's predominantly African-American. And so we started looking at each other and going, hey, maybe we could like hang out together and, and get our churches together. We're doing a shared service in, in two weeks. We're doing a, a combined Zoom Bible study over the, the month of, of February. And it's one of those things where you're like, at some point you either do something about it or, or you don't, or you take the risk or you don't. And our community, I think over the last two and a half years, three years has done a lot of the pre-work that hopefully will yield some fruit, but we'll, you'll have to find out in like two months, <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, it takes a while. And when you do that, uh, intentional blending of of cultures and in ethnic groups, you're, you're always going to lose some people. And one of, one of my friends in North Carolina, uh, they merged a black church and, and a white, a predominantly black church and a predominantly white church. And uh, a lot of the white folks didn't want to have a black pastor, mm. and a lot of the black folks resented that he's spending time with all those white people. And, and so it took, a, it, there was a shakeout. And I, and I think it's a, a, a healthy shakeout because they're on mission. And, and when you're on mission, you, you can't suck everybody in. A lot of what we're doing in the fractional model, uh, it becomes uh, very mono-ethnic, monocultural because we can easily attract people to a certain kind of program that we put together. And budget rules, mission doesn't. And when I meet guys like you, or mission rules, there's going to be bumps in the road, and it's going to take a lot of time. I, I understand it's taking you some time, and I think that's a 
that's probably a very healthy thing. Casey, you're ticking all my boxes. Uh, I, I really think that what you're doing is what I see that we need to across the board as, as a church group. But I think the, the willingness to be patient, um, the, the willingness to put mission and values before vision to grow a great big church, all that kind of silly stuff. The, the fact that when you do Zoom, you do it live and there's interaction going on, uh, even to breakout rooms, that's that's pushing. I think that's exciting. <laughs> uh, if people want to know more uh, in, in, about your church, can you give us a website? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, multiplychurch.com. Well, thank you. I just want to say thanks for taking time to do this. And, you know, thanks for responding to the blog. You know, I covet those comments and I look at them and every so often I get one that just looks you know, right up where we need to be. And, and you did that. I, I just, again, want to say thank you for that. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmore.net.